Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Trevor McDonald has part six of the series, Close Encounters, with a message titled, Never Settle for the Trees. Today we conclude uh, Close Encounters like Eric and Charmaine just said, and I'm excited about this story I'm going to read, and I'm going to get right into it because we can. All righty. You guys feeling okay? Yeah. Feeling good? We got, uh, we got some good weather. There's coffee outside, coffee inside. Jesus in here. Amen. We're having fun. And uh, I'm going to talk about this story in Mark chapter 8. That's one of my favorite stories. It's only five verses. And there's this close encounter that Jesus has with a blind man. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, you have it on your phone. If you don't have it on your phone, we'll put it up on these sky Bibles on my left and my right. Called screens, okay? Are we feeling okay? Are we loose? We're good? All right. Ready for the word. Here we go. Chapter 8 in Mark. Mark 8, 22 through 26. Look at this. They came, the disciples and Jesus came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Now, quick pause. I think this is really interesting. This is a total side note, but you got to catch something here I think is really valuable on how Jesus kind of operated within the New Testament and how he talked to people, how he healed people, is that there's a lot of recordings where Jesus would actually like take somebody away or he would actually ask people to leave. And for some odd reason we see here in Bethsaida, there's a blind man that people bring to Jesus and Jesus doesn't just do it right there in the city of Bethsaida. What does he do? He actually takes the man by the hand and brings him outside of the village. For whatever reason, we could speculate as much as we want to, but one reason why I feel like there's times in our lives we have to kind of remove distractions from our lives because oftentimes we're surrounded with maybe some naysayers or some negative influences where we can't experience God's best for our life because of those things. So here's Jesus taking out this blind man by the hand outside of the village of Bethsaida. All right, we can continue. When he had spit on the man's eyes, that is the closest encounter we can think of, people. And we talked about like touching people and they're being healed or Charmant talked about water and wine. There's this close encounter at a wedding. Jesus spit in the man's eyes. I don't know. That's like, that goes down in, in, the, in the history books. He's like, hey guys, guess what? Jesus spit in my eyes. That was a close encounter. Okay, moving on. Sorry, I'm getting really excited now. Okay, spit in the man's eyes and put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? Verse 24, he looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around Verse 25 says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Now, some significance within this story that we can understand before we kind of dive into it is where the placement of the story is. Mark is the gospel of Mark. It's actually from Peter's perspective, written by this guy named John Mark. John Mark puts this story right dab in the middle of this letter of Mark. Mark is 16 chapters, we're reading out of eight, so you can kind of you, use your imagination. We're right there in the middle. Up to this point, Jesus has been talking about who he is and what he's gonna do and his kingdom that's coming. And the disciples are like not really getting it, okay? They're not truly seeing what Jesus is wanting them to see. So right before this story takes place in Mark 8, 22, there's a story where Jesus feeds thousands of people. 
and the disciples are in awe. And then there's a moment where the disciples are, are, are all upset because they don't have bread. They're like, Where's, where are we going to find bread from? And Jesus is like, do you not understand? 8.21 says this. He just simply looks at the disciples and says, do you still not understand? Do you still not get it? And then there's this story. Because this story, it's the only time recorded in Scripture where Jesus heals in two stages. It's the only time in recorded history in, this, in, the, in the life of Jesus where he heals in two stages. He touches the man's eyes once. What does he say? Do you see anything? Yes, I see people, yet they look like trees walking around. Then he touches them again, the second touch. And the man's sight was fully restored. After this story, Jesus is asking his disciples, he says, hey, who do men say that I am? And they all keep saying some things like, well, they think you're Elijah or you're John the Baptist risen from the dead. And Peter says this in 829. He says, you are the Messiah. So here's the significance of this story. Jesus is teaching his disciples, ultimately teaching you and me as we're following Jesus that I don't want you to live in partial vision anymore. I want you to have full vision of who I am. And in our life, there's this, there's this transition that's taking place right here in the middle of Mark where Jesus is saying, no longer will you live in partial vision. Now I want you to fully see. I don't want you to settle for trees any longer. Amen? So if you're a note taker on your phone or your neighbor's arm, that'll work too. I like, I like titles because it makes us remember things. Never settle for the trees. Never settle for the trees. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for this story that we're seeing here in the book of Mark. There is a huge significance when it comes to what you're saying here in Mark 8. And I pray that we would begin to see it. May we kind of graduate from this partial vision into full vision of who you are and what it is that you have for us in the life that we live. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay. So a few years ago, as Eric said, I, I was in Houston, Texas. I lived in Houston. I was a youth pastor in Houston, Texas. And uh, my, my youth team and I, we had an opportunity. Is that a clap? Uh, you don't have to clap, but that's great. Um, anyways, we, uh, our, our staff, we were invited to go to this conference in Los Angeles. Okay, now at that time, um, I was de- you know, dealing with a lot of deep insecurities. Don't judge me, still am, but that's, you know, we'll talk about that another time. I have counseling, it's fine. And I needed to get, I needed to get a new pair of shoes. I'm going to Los Angeles, okay, people? Like, I, I got to impress somebody that's out there. And the first thing I need them to see is how awesome my shoes are. So I go to the mall with my buddy. Jamal and I go, we go to uh, Champs. I see the shoes that I want. Okay, I had to get these shoes. These were like the shoes I needed to get. Because here's what I know. When I put these shoes on and I go to this conference, I'm going to start meeting new people. And what they're going to do, they're going to look down and be like, yo, those are cool shoes. And then I'm in. You know, I don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm good now. Okay, right? So got the shoes. I'm, I'm good. So go to the store the day before we leave. And uh, I see the shoes that I want. I'm like, Jamal, those are the ones. He's like, those are, those are fly. You got to get those ones. Okay, cool. So I asked for my size, size 11. They go in the back. They come back out and they're like, hey, so we don't have a size 11. We have a 10 and a half. I'm like, half size, no problem. That's only a half size too small. I'll wear thinner socks. It is what it is. So I put them on and, you know, they're not that tight, but, you know, I have to get the shoes for the trip that's tomorrow. You guys following along? Okay, good. So then I have them. And then if you see people put shoes on in stores, you do this awkward like walk. Have you ever seen people do this? 
This is like my mom would do this when I was a kid. He'd be like, she'd say, okay, now walk around the store. So then I started doing it to my kids. I'm like, what is walking around the store really going to do anything? So anyways, I'm like walking them around. I'm like, you know, like just in case I got to move fast. So again, I had, I had to have these shoes. So I buy them. Okay, cool. Got them. No problem. So we fly to Los Angeles the next day. First day of the conference. Huge church conference. I'm excited to meet all these people. I'm excited for them to see my shoes and how cool I am. Um, I know, it's a, it's a problem. Um, this is years ago. Okay, guys, I've, I've graduated a little bit. So, got the shoes on. Now, our hotel was like 6 to 12 blocks away from the conference center. So, got the shoes on, tied them up. I'm like, Jamal, these are good, right? It looks, everything looks good. Okay, let's go to this conference. So, we're going, we're walking, get there. Uh, no one looked at my shoes, and no one said I had cool shoes. I even started sparking up a conversation. I'm like, you have cool shoes? I'm Trevor. You know what I mean? Like, hey. So I had to like, no one's seen. Okay, so epic fail. We go through a couple different little classes and then we have lunch. And now to go grab lunch, we're gonna go walk a few more blocks. So now we're walking and I'm like, this isn't feeling good. My feet don't feel right. They're a little too tight on my toes. No problem. It's gonna be a good day. Go get lunch, come back to the conference. Now I'm walking back to the hotel at the end of the day, and I'm like, Jamal, these were the worst shoes. I should never have bought these shoes. They didn't fit. Like a half size too small was not good. But what I do, I settled for good enough. I settled for less than all because I needed to have these shoes. I suffered the pain and pain for these things and truly the pain because my toes were aching. I wore those shoes maybe like two more times, and then I just gave them away because they didn't fit. But why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because in our own lives, I think we settle for good enough because we see it because it's available. And the more and more we settle just for good enough, we miss out on the full life that Jesus invites us into. Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, yet I have come that you may have life and life to the what? Full Now, what's interesting about this verse is that this wasn't my idea. This wasn't human's idea. This was Jesus's concept. He said, I've come to give life to the what? Fullest. And oftentimes in our lives, we have the tendency to do what? We just settle for good enough. And I think about this story. I think about being in this person's position. Mark chapter 8, 22 through 26. This man was blind. He's brought out of his village. And Jesus touches his eyes, spits on his eyes and said, do you see anything? And he says, yeah. I see people, and they're walking around, yet they look like trees. Friends, we could have just settled right there. Imagine being completely blind, and finally a little bit of your sight gets restored to the point where you see people, yet they look like trees. That might have been good enough. He might have gone back to his village and said, hey, I can see-ish. It's, it's not full, but it's pretty good. And this is where you and I lie when it comes to our life and faith is that we at times just settle for good enough. We don't wait around for the miracle to be complete. What frustrates me about this story, I think, is if I'm the guy or if I'm reading scripture, or maybe even in our own lives, if we put ourselves in the story, up to this point, I mean, Jesus was touching people one time. There's even a story where a man put out his withered hand and his hand was healed like that. There's a story where a woman crawled through the crowd to touch just the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed instantly. Jesus raised Lazarus, raised Lazarus from the dead one time. Yet we see this story, Jesus 
does a two-stage miracle. And I think this tension that we have when Jesus says, do you see anything? He says, yes, I do. I see people, yet they look like trees walking around. And there's this waiting season that happens, right? Before we get to the full restoration. Oftentimes in our lives, we see ourselves waiting. It's like when you send a text to somebody and the bubbles pop up. And then when the bubbles go away, it's like the worst thing. I was talking to a friend the other day. He sent a text to this person. He's trying to, you know, have a relationship with them. He's like really excited. He sends a text. Three and a half hours go by. You can tell, you can, you can, you know, relate to this person. Like the tension of like, did I say too much? Did I not put enough exclamation points or emojis? What did I do wrong? Three and a half hours go by and finally this person responds and she was just like, oh, it's fine. I was actually just on an airplane. But that waiting room tension is like, hey, uh, did you get my text or call? Hello, right? We're sitting in this waiting space and we see this guy. I just imagine like, hey, thanks for spitting on my face. I've heard of you. I've heard that you do healings in one go, yet I can only see people and they look like trees. And here's what I believe in your life and my life that I just am convinced that our faith is often, our faith being strengthened is oftentimes more important than the miracle we experience. Let me say it again. Our faith being strengthened is oftentimes more important than the miracle we experience. The truth is we desire miracles, but our faith being strengthened is what you and I need. In, in our lives and society today, I'm telling you right now, in our churches, in our homes, our communities, in our world, we need people of strong, tested faith. We can't just keep rubbing the bottle or, or, or the, the lamp and hoping that God just provides all the time. We need to understand this concept that there's seasons where we have to wait and long for what God is doing so our faith gets strengthened. Amen? Amen. Here's, here's some insight that I found in Psalm 23, verse 4. From the psalmist, it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can hold that up there for just a second. Even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, here, here's two emphasis we can look at. You and I will go through death valley. Whether we want to or not, can't really avoid it. We're gonna go through these seasons where it's difficult and hard and confusing and frustrating we have questions. We're constantly saying, God, are you even here? Now we're encouraged because he is there to comfort us. But here's the second emphasis I want us to look at. Even though I walk what? Through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Friends, you're never meant to camp out in death valley. You're never meant to stay in death valley. You're meant to walk through it. And in my own life, I find myself settling for trees, settling in Death Valley to the point where I got blueprints already made for my new home. Where I just kind of settle there. I just camp out. Is this the best it's going to get? I settle when times get hard, when seasons are difficult. I, I settle even when my ego gets in the way. I settle because I say, you know what? At this point, I've been waiting long enough. I might as well just do it on my own. I got this. I got it all figured out. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus says, it is impossible for man to learn something he already thinks he knows. See, in those seasons when we're waiting, 
when we're in pain, when there's something that's not making a whole lot of sense, when it's so easy to toss in the towel and settle for the trees, God's trying to fully restore our life. It's easy to be like, you know what? I got it from here. There's nothing more to learn. Or it's like this. Maybe you've been in a season where it just feels like you take loss after loss after loss, L after L after L. I like to say it like this. You're never losing if you're learning. You're never losing if you're learning. So, as we walk through these seasons that we will face, that we will go through Death Valley, it will happen, but our intent is to what? Go through them. So whether I have to run through these seasons, walk, limp, or crawl, I'm getting through it. Amen? Amen. We commit to this concept of not settling for trees. No longer going to settle for trees. I'm going to see what the full life that Jesus has, the full vision that he has for my life for my life to be what? Fully restored. Our faith being strengthened is oftentimes more important than the miracles we experience. Here's what it says in James 1, 2 through 4. Let's read it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So you face these hard times. Why? So your faith can be strengthened. So you lack nothing in the end. And I love about this story, Mark chapter eight, verse 25. What happened once he was touched the second time, it says his sight was fully restored. But there's this waiting part, isn't there? This tension that we sit in where Jesus says, do you see anything? He says, yeah, I do. I see people, yet they're walking around looking like trees. And right there, this is the tension that we live in, that we can either just give up, settle it, move on on our own, think to ourselves, this must be it. This is just good enough. Yet Jesus wants to what? Fully restore our lives, our sight, our heart, everything. Amen? And we go through these seasons, so what? Our faith is strengthened. I wonder for myself, I wonder in my life, when I go through these seasons where I settle, I wonder how many times I've thanked God for incomplete miracles. I wonder how many times in my own life I've thanked God for incomplete miracles. Notice Jesus touches a man's eyes once, but he wanted to what? Fully restore him. Maybe you can relate that in your life, you just kind of settle in and you say, you know what? I think this is the best it's going to get. I think this is going to be good enough. And I wonder how many times I've just thanked God and said, man, this, this, I guess this is it. I also wonder in my own life, how many times I've settled when seasons get difficult and hard and I miss out on God's best for my life all because I just settled. When life gets really difficult, when things make no sense, and I feel like I've been operating on a partial vision, I really want to have full vision. I, I want my sight to be fully restored. But man, this is really, really difficult. I was reading this story about uh, Biosphere 2. Biosphere 2 is this three-acre compound in Arizona that these scientists, environmental science put up. I started building this thing in 1987. 
and then eventually they uh, entered it with a crew in 1991. They entered into Biosphere 2 to test out vegetation and uh, wildlife and all these different things. And this was the perfect setup for this biosphere to happen. So scientists are in there and they're testing all these different things. And then something I was reading about is that these trees that were actually planted in Biosphere 2, they had the ability to grow massively, really, really fast. And then over time, they began to do some studies and some tests on these trees because they begin to actually bend into the point where they would break and then die. And the scientists were really confused because they thought, well, this is the perfect environment for these things to flourish. And yet they keep bending and breaking. So the hypothesis was that the bark on the tree wasn't as strong. So they began to run tests on the bark just on the tree because they began to bend. Then eventually they, became, they came to this theory that the reason why these trees are bending and breaking is because there's no challenge in the biosphere too for these trees to grow and to flourish. They are faced with no challenge. Then the theory went on and said the reason why they're bending and breaking is because there's no wind stress on the trees. See, bark for these trees needed wind stress so then it would be able to move and understand how to move when things get difficult and hard so that they become stronger and stronger over time. Friend, the things that you're facing, the waiting seasons of our lives, all it is is wind stress, wind stress to make sure you get stronger and stronger day by day. Amen? So you might be saying, why am I going through these difficult times? Why am I facing this stuff? And God's just saying, hey, look, it's just wind stress. One, I'm with you. You're gonna get through this. We don't need to settle for trees and settle for good enough or for less than. What we need to do is allow the wind stress of life to strengthen our faith. Whether I experience the thing I'm desiring or praying for doesn't matter. What matters is that your faith is being strengthened day by day by day. So as we question all these things, why am I going through this? It's just wind stress, friends. Why is my marriage not where I want it to be? Why is my finance where, where, it's, where I want it to be? Why is my relationships, whatever it may be for you, allow the wind stress of life to strengthen your life so that you can go forward like James talks about, lacking nothing, completely restored. Amen? You just gotta stand to your feet to close out. We're gonna sing a song together. I think in these times where we feel like we're in this waiting space, I think about this guy's life I think about being in his shoes in a sense in this story where it would have been easy just to kind of settle and settle for trees. I love that he waits around long enough for the miracle to be complete. So I don't know what it is for you. And like I I said for myself, there's seasons in my life where I just kind of say, you know what, this is just the best it's going to be. I'm just going to settle right here. But as the wind of life is blowing on my life, may we be reminded that it's meant to strengthen us. It's not meant to break you or bend you. It's meant to strengthen you. So as the wind blows and as the storms come, may we trust in Jesus in those seasons. Trust in his faithfulness. Philippians 1.6 says this, that he is faithful to complete the thing that he started inside of you. He's faithful to complete it, fully restored, fully healed, 
So the question we have to ask ourselves, a few homework assignments before we sing this song, is that have you settled? Is there an area in your life where you feel like, man, I've just settled for trees? I, I hear the word, this is really, really good, Trev, but I, I feel like I'm just kind of settling. Even though I want to be fully restored, I want to have full vision like Jesus is trying to teach me, but I've settled in this area. So you have to ask yourself, be introspective, have I settled? Follow-up to that is where you get real vulnerable and you actually ask somebody in your life, a spouse, a loved one, a friend, say, hey, I feel like I'm settling in this area. Do you see an area in my life where I've settled? And then thirdly is this, don't let it stop right there. You actually begin to map out and make the plan so that we get through this thing together committing to not just settle for trees, committing to allow our faith to be strengthened, committed to allowing God's promise to be in and over our lives. Amen? Let me pray for us. We're gonna sing this song together and I'll come up and close. Jesus, thank you for this story. Thank you for this time where we can look and be ultimately encouraged. I know for a lot of us in the room, maybe it feels discouraging that we just feel like we sat and settled in the shadow of the valley of death and yet we believe we are to get through it because, God, you're with us. We no longer want to just settle for trees. We want to move forward in the things that, God, you're asking us to move forward in, that we would not operate out of partial vision, but we would operate out of full vision of who you are. You are the Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Savior. We put our trust and our hope in you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. You've been listening to Trevor McDonald with the sixth and final part of the series Close Encounters. You can watch the online version of this message by going to youtube.com slash Forest City Church. Thanks for listening.